ESPN 97.5 and 92.5 proudly present The Killer Bees. Definitely a fan of The Killer Bees. Don't sweat the technique. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, here comes the fastest three hours in Houston sports radio. Here's Joe Blank and Jeremy Branham. Oh, hell yeah. You about to get all stung up. Ooh, what up, H-Town? Hey, how we doing? He sends this one deep to left field. It is far. It's gone. Alex Bregman has put the Astros ahead. Oh, forget it. Tucker. Renfro just watched it, and that is a huge blast. Run first pitch, right center field. And the guy. Oh, my God. He caught it. What a play by Kyle Tucker to end the game. I'm going to put my feelings toward Carl Ravage aside for you a know moment. What? what a great Sunday. What I'm a not. great Sunday. You know what? I'm not. Let's do that first because the whole time, ever since it's become more prevalent that you've expressed your feelings about him. I can't stand him. I have gotten more and more disdain for that guy. Like, he seems to have – they caught him with the hot mic going to break. What did he say? I didn't pick that. I didn't hear – I heard when I'm trying happened. to remember exactly what he said. But it was something about, and it was something snarky about either like the face that one of the Astros made or something yeah. like that. And I was like, you know what, man, kiss my ass. I don't like you at all. Yeah. And then he was, he, you know what? Part of being a national broadcaster, and you and I can attest to this just from doing what we did on the local level. But as a national broadcaster for hacking up names of players, he mispronounced Bly Madras. Yeah, he did. Madras. He Madras. <laughs> he, he he mispronounced Yiner Diaz. What did he say? He called him Diaz. One time he so called him weird. like Diaz or something like that. And I'm like, wait, who? <laughs> like, you're on the you're on national TV, and this is what you're doing? Yeah. He also says 35 RBI. I know that 35 RBIs. You a lot. I I, I want to get Carl Ravage on the show. I really do. We, we and the had first him once, question, and I think you behaved yourself. I don't remember having Ravage because I think when we when I think it was when Brendan was here, and Brendan's like, we're gonna have Carl Ravage saying you kind of went. Huh? I don't remember having Ravage. I thought we had him once. I trust your memory more yeah. than mine, though. Um, yeah, the first question I would ask him is, Carl, do you believe in AP formatting? Just curious if you believe in AP style, because that'd be a aha moment. I gotcha. Gotcha journalism from Branham. Um, yeah, I don't like Ravage. But it was a good win for the Houston Astros yesterday. Positivity on a Monday. Uh, a great win out of nowhere, too. I mean, that victory was out of left field. Like I was getting ready for the show of, like, what am I going to say for the good, because we do a good, bad, and right, ugly right. following the Astros weekend. I'm sitting here, man, I was like trying to create some things for the good. I'm like, man, I'm really reaching right now. But then you put together a ninth inning. We get a couple of walks. You get Bregman to the plate after Dubon with an RBI ground out. Hits the two-run homer that we heard. Carl Ravitch. At least he knew what inning it was. That's good. Or what half of the inning it was. Yeah, That's it good. It Unlike the College winner. World Series when he called a walk-off home run in the top of the ninth. Yeah, Carl Ravitch did that. Uh, but the ninth inning was fabulous yesterday. And we'll start with good. We always do because the Killer Bees are always positive. That ninth inning. That's as positive as you can be. The Astros take the series. Saturday was weird, but you get a victory on Sunday. You win the rubber game, and we don't complain about series victories around here, especially on the road. No, we don't. And, you know, as much as, again, you know me, and the hive knows me, I I had a hard time going to sleep on Saturday night, having (laughs) watched that game disintegrate right before my very eyes. And a one guy that we have been singing his praises for as good as he's been in Ryan Presley, I I mean, I I just think a back-to-back situation, throwing a lot of pitches, it just wasn't his night. Mm -hmm. It happens. It's not like you just completely pull the plug on him or expect it's doomsday like it is with Montero. 
but it was one of those nights. But it was hard to take because you had a three-run lead, and you do have the bullpen that you have, and you expect better than what you got. So I'm sitting there watching this game unfold on Sunday night going, man, they're going to lose two out of three to the Angels. They should have won Saturday night. They had all these, you know, Rangers two out- swept. I mean, you, you Rangers swept the Cleveland. You had all these different two-out hits killing you. You you left runners in scoring position seemingly in almost every inning to where you should have been in command of that game Sunday night. We started with the good. And, and I'm like, you know what? <laughs> the best thing that you possibly could have had happen, happened. The fact that they were found a way to win, you now left walking away from that series with a totally different feeling. And I watched Twitter. I was, I was curious. Because in the eighth inning and into the top of the top of the ninth, there was a whole lot of anxiety and anger, and I'm giving up on this team stuff. For like for the game or just to the regular for season? the whole team. This now. team's done. Just, yeah, I'm done bit, with this team. Sort of Nothing. Even Andrew Carlson was all about. I've run out of words. I don't even know what to say about that. Well, that's why he's a producer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Kidding. I love you, AC. You know that I love you. You're just on a tee for me. I had to hit it out of the park. The bullpen weekdays, whatever time that they're on now. Um, the I knew Joe was going <laughs> to chime in on that. Um, that was uh, it was a great victory. It was it was fantastic. That ninth inning was great. I'll be honest with you. Like I'm not giving up on the Astros season, even no. if they lose that game yesterday. You've played 13 games with Jordan and Altuve, and you're still positioned okay for the postseason. I understand the prisoner of the moment. I understand the frustration after, especially after Saturday's game. Like that's about as frustrating a loss as you can have for a variety of different reasons. And we'll talk. We'll talk about uh, some of the decisions that Dusty made Saturday, but made some good decisions yesterday. And in Dusty, we trusty. Uh, for me, like let's start with the good. That is Kyle Tucker, and you've already caught the ire, Joe George, of one of our uh, texters nine seven eight zero. You guys ended the clip too early. You, you guys, you mean you mean Joe George, right. uh, who is the? His, I just keep passing the blame to RJ. What are we? What are, what are we calling you? The assistant to the regional manager. We said we we're going to add oh, something. Oh, I don't it. remember. Do you remember what we said? We we're going to add something to the assistant to the regional manager seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven. Queen B. That's right. That's right. That's right. There Queen, it is. assistant to the regional manager, Queen B, Joe George. Yep. Uh, that is him. He's the one who left out Eduardo calling Tucker a superstar because he did call T- Kyle Tucker a superstar, which we in Houston all know that. I'm seeing some bad takes on Twitter where they're questioning his arbitration case because they don't know how baseball works. But Kyle Tucker's a star. We know that Kyle Tucker's a star. It is nice to see him get that national stage. But you saw the game yesterday. I mean, he's been on a he's been on a tear recently. By the way, he should never hit f- lower than fourth in this lineup, even when Jordan and Altuve are back. But in that game yesterday, he hits the insurance home run, which turned out to be incredibly important in the top of the ninth inning. He makes the diving grab that wins the game, and he robbed the home run earlier in the game. Kyle Tucker was on full display yesterday, and the Astros are blessed with with one of the best outfielders in all of baseball, quite honestly. No question. The, the plays that at the time seemed almost insignificant, like when, you know, after the, the bases clearing double on an 0-2 pitch, uh, yeah, oh. and and I'm like, this oh, one's over, and, and I'm just yeah, and I'm so pissed off about all of it. It, it seems so insignificant that oh, Tucker saved it from being really embarrassing by giving up another bomb. For he, he caught the ball, banged his elbow, and then all of a sudden you start looking back, going, if he doesn't make that play, we're in a totally different situation, talking about a different outcome. Probably the insurance no run was massive. Because two nights in a row, Otani in the ninth becomes bombs away. He's awesome. And he's really, really good. He's good at baseball at Shohei Otani. But when you look at the grand scheme of things, and in my good, it's just 
the middle of the lineup. Because when you looked at all the damage being done and all the hits that were being provided in this series, and particularly in the last game, game and a half, Abreu almost took one another one yard. He went yard. He's been hitting the ball. He's been what we expected him, a little bit closer to that when they signed him. And, and, and he looks like this is the guy we might get for the rest of the season. Bregman has been on a, another mini tear. Now, we hope he doesn't have another fall-off session. But he had, a, he had a good game. He had a really good game last night. First four-hit game in his career. Is that I was, right? I was, yeah, I was a little surprised that, by that. I, I, I was too. he would have had a four-hit game at least once in his career, but that was the first time. But I even, And I called it with Lisa. I was like, two, uh, he was on deck. And I go, ooh, I like where this is going. I'm like, just get it. And she goes, what? And I go, if they get it to Bregman, I'm like, they're going to win this game. And she goes, come on. And I go, matter of fact, if they get it to Bregman, he's going yard. Wow. And she goes, she goes, no wow. way. And I walked into the kitchen and I just heard the bat and I just turned around. And I went, get out. So you called him hitting a home run and then you left the at bat. I did. What? Because one of the dogs was barking outside. That's fair. Yeah. And one of the dogs was barking Life. outside. So I had to run real quick to, and I turned around and I heard the crack of the bat. And I turned around and I went, get out. <laughs> And she turned around. She goes, "How in the hell did you?" I go, "I just had a feeling." Like that Tucker one and the sound it made. Which, by the way, those ESPN microphones are outrageous. Oh, they definitely are. Like, it was like it got shot out of a like cannon. <laughs> like, normally, come on. but but normally I don't like when they say, "Hey, can, we're going to replay this. Just listen for the sound." But on national games, when they replay it with the sound, it is is kind of cool to hear kind of that that solid shot of with the the bat hitting the I, ball. I love the sound of it, but let's let's not pretend that they're not incredibly amped up. Oh no doubt, they're amped up more than like a normal broadcast. Well, they're par- they I like have the parabolics sound. I agree. on national games behind the plate and all over. Like half the time, even when in the mic'd up uh, session with uh, Mickey Moniak, a couple times they got to completely drop the audio out because. Once, I think McCormick got hit and let a cuss bomb go. <laughs> yeah. And, and th- those mics pick up everything, so you got to drop it out for everything. You can hear a lot of heckling, too. Oh, yeah. You can hear a lot of heckling. I, I, I'm, I'm seeing a text right here. This is the one thing that annoyed me about Tucker's game, and, and I, I never get annoyed. Um, everybody's pay the man already. Like, yeah. <laughs> he has a great game. Hashtag pay the man. Can we just enjoy Kyle Tucker and the two more years of club control he has after this season? No. Can we stop talking about contract extension when he still has two and a half years? of club control because when he plays like he did this weekend it's just jim crane gets priced out man he's, he's but they've i think he's they've already, already made the decision is a, the thing. yeah i agree with that yeah. I, and i also think that he already told you you were not doing a yordan deal so you better bring the bag and then some cool put 300 million let's do it kyle tucker is going to be on a new team in 2026 Stop. totally agree we it's, both, it's the truth we both have been saying that, that makes for quite me a while. sad it doesn't make me sad it sad. makes me want to enjoy him while we have him i love kyle tucker pay him no, don't pay, pay him. him. He's going to be 28 years old in his final year of the deal. Joe, you want to pay him 8 to 10 years. You want to give him a 10-year right deal. No, I'll you pay wanna... him right now. Right, yeah. but he wants 8 to 10 years. We've cool. talked about those deals. He'll be 36. So what? They just, so make the last three You're years. You're a prisoner of the moment, No, Joe. make the last three years of the deal $19 million, and he's banking $19 million when he's 34, 35, 36. What's the difference between that and Jose Abreu? So Tucker's just going to say okay to that? You front load it. You give him forty in the, in the front, so then you hand, the then you handcuff yourself on guys that you need to resign. You handcuff yourself because of Rafael Montero and Jose Abreu. No, that is but, true. But, but, but you also have multiple players that you got to lock down. But, but Montero and Abreu's contract comes up before Tucker's a free yeah, agent. Yeah, and Bregman's gone. So bye. if you're patient, if you yeah. don't do what Joseph, I don't, I don't, I don't want to hashtag pay the man. I do. I, I don't, don't believe either. in these contracts. Too soon. Too soon. I don't believe in these contracts. Uh, my good would be Chaz. Yes. Great yes. weekend. But also just like the ninth inning itself last night, 
You know, I, I think everyone's first inclination when you see Jake Myers get yanked out of the game for Bly Madris is what's happening. Yeah. Look at D- Dusty's playing chess. But Bly Madris and then Kessinger getting on base mm-hmm. and setting the stage at the bottom of your order, giving you a chance to win that baseball game, was massive. Absolutely. Like, like those guys, like, unlike anyone would said, oh, those two guys are going to get on base. I mean, first of all, this Berea's guy, he stinks. How about Nevin going with his closer in the eighth? Yeah. Did you like that? I think the plan was for him to go two innings. I don't think so. I don't either. I think the plan was they wanted him against the best hitters of the Astros, yeah. and if you were to stack it up eighth inning, ninth inning, he was right, except the ninth inning got extended, and now he had a pitch to the top of the Astros lineup. I I, I actually kind of liked it. Now it, it, it backfired seemed, big time. I, I, I said at the time there was two ways of looking at this. Exactly what you said, that he was trying to get his best pitcher against the best part of their lineup, but then I also think felt like it was a little desperate. Like they felt like they had to get this win. And, and, you know, because he felt like it would have been really a, a big momentous thing for their clubhouse, especially with the Otani situation and everything, yeah. that I think that he kind of maybe tried to, to force the hand a little too quick, that he was really so adamant, I got to get this win, that may, maybe he just forced him in there an inning too early. Apparently, I got ravaged, guys. I got Carl ravaged. Why? Carl ravaged said whenever Alex Bregman hit that home run, that it was the first four-hit game in Alex Bregman's career. Guess what Alex Bregman has done before in his career, so before ravaged. that home run? I got ravaged. Listen, I screwed up, guy. I apologize. That's not your fault. I apologize for listening wait, to Carl Ravage and say, acting yes. like what he is saying is truth. I should have known better. I should have known better to fact-check Carl Ravage. That's on me, guys. You can trust I Plummer. apologize. You can trust you can trust TK. You don't trust listening to Carl and the hair ravaged. I got stinking ravaged. Cannot believe it. 713-780-ESPN, the HRP listener line. 713-780-3776. What was your good? What was your bad? What was your ugly from the Astros weekend? We got to get to the bad and the ugly. There's some goods that I wanted to get to as well. Can't ignore uh, in victory what we wouldn't in defeat, right? Twitch.tv slash ESPN975 if you want to see our ugly mugs. He's at Pac-Man Joel on Twitter. I'm at Jeremy Brand. It's the Killer Beast on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. Something that is very fantastic in my life is uh, some Gentle Ben. I had some Gentle Ben yesterday as I was watching the Astros game. And and Gentle Ben wants to take care of you. Gentle Ben knows that their product goes with baseball. It's why they have Ben's Bar inside of Minute Maid Park, Section 106, by the way. Uh, Bourbon goes with baseball. Vodka goes with the baseball. So does the gin. And Houston-based Gentle Ben Spirits wants to take care of you. They want to treat you to a night out in Space City. They have an Astros ticket giveaway happening right now, this very instant, this moment. Enter for your chance to win a pair of tickets to the Friday, September 1st Astros home game against the... Yankees. Most people do giveaways and they throw in a crappy team. Not Gentle Ben. They want to send you to the Astros-Yankees game. To enter, head over to their Facebook or Instagram profile at Gentle Ben Spirits. Facebook, Instagram, uh, Instagram at Gentle Ben Spirits. Click on the pin giveaway post for instructions. You have through August 14th, almost a month, to enter for a chance to win. Plus, anytime you're at Minute Maid Park, you can find Gentle Ben Spirits serving up the very best. Their specialty cocktails at Ben's Bar, Section 106, right when you walk in the U. Union Station entrance. Why is their stuff so good? Their secret? Unparalleled smoothness. They've mastered the art of eliminating impurities that cause harshness or that pleasant burn in distilled spirits. You'll love what's not in it. ESPN 97.5 and 92.5, the best sports radio station in Houston. I've got to prove that I'm the best, and I'm racing no matter what you tell me. All teams covered. No stalking points necessary. You're back with the Killer Bees on 97.5 and 92.5. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios. 
Good, bad, ugly from the Astros weekend. Uh, Joe mentioned the Bly Madris Gray Kessinger walk. Big time, big time. Nice move by Dusty going with Bly over Jake, and then Bly draws the walk even on a day when Jake hit a home run. Uh, Gray Kessinger, he atoned a little bit for that uh, error that he made on Saturday. If you had to pick Gray Kessinger or David Hensley mm-hmm. to be the last offensive player on this roster post-trade deadline, which of the two are you picking? Kessinger. I am too. No doubt. I think it's a slam It's dunk. just weird for, for last, you know, what a difference a year makes. But last year you were looking at, and they weren't like lasers that he was hitting or anything like that. But he had a couple of timely at-bats, a walk or got hit, or, you know, uh, an infield dribbler against the Yankees that ended up winning a game where you were like, okay, we see what this kid could possibly be. Now all of a sudden it's like a 180. It's almost like when Jake Myers hit the wall and then screwed up his shoulder. Now we're looking at a different guy. And he looks like there's a whole lot going on between his ears, and he looks overmatched on the major league level. Kessinger hit a bomb. I mean, he looks like he's got a plate presence where he knows what he's doing out there. I'll go with him. Yeah, I would take, uh, and maybe we're being prisoners of the moment here, but Kessinger's been better than David Hensley in 2023 on all levels of professional baseball. He's been better in the bigs. He's been better in AAA. Remember at the start of the season, we wanted David Hensley to be the starting second baseman. We when, wanted, when, yeah. We wanted him to get more starts than Mauricio Dubon. Yeah, that's right, because we thought he could hit better. <laughs> yeah. And now look at that. Isn't that wild? It is. Like, it wasn't that long ago, before opening day, that we all wanted David Hensley to start more games than Mauricio Dubon. And I remember the first, like, three or four games when Dubon was, like, the favorite for Dusty Baker over Hensley, and people were losing their minds. People were like, whoa, what's going on? It's almost like the Chas McCormick stuff now. Uh, 2831, he... He also called Steve Sparks Steve Springer after that referencing that he talked to him after the game. Yeah, that yeah. was Coney. That wasn't uh, and Ravage. Unlike Ravage, Coney corrected himself. Did I'm he? sure the producer. I'm sure the producer got in his ear, or someone did, or maybe Eduardo nudged him and said, "Hey," but he said, "Hey, that's my fault." And he said, "It is. It's actually Steve Sparks. He's a great guy. Yeah. He knows everything about the team, and he was very good about it." Yeah, that happens. Eight eight three seven. Don't forget Kyle Ticker. I didn't. I didn't hear him say Kyle I Ticker, did not but. I, I believe you, 8837. No reason not to. Yeah, there's no reason not to with Carl Ravage. He's the worst. 713-780-ESPN, HRP listener. His hair's alive. the worst. Is that his? I've heard it's not. I've heard it's not either. I've heard he's had some work done. I've heard, other, not Joe Buckish maybe, but I've heard other broadcasters that have gotten, like, they're, they're not fans of his, and they go kind of all in on the dude. Yeah, I probably wasn't supposed to say that, because I have on good accord that it oh. is not real. Okay. Well, <laughs> I I've heard it was wasn't supposed to say that. I heard it was a wig for I a think while. Yeah, I don't think it's a wig, okay. or it could have been in the past, but I don't think it's a wig anymore because it does go pretty high. But it's, I think he's poofy. had some. I think he's had some work done yeah. for sure. Seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six. See if I have any more. Oh, Chaz McCormick to piggyback on Joe's Joey, point. Yeah. Over his last eleven games, I didn't look at this. McTaggart did. Over his last eleven games, Chaz is hitting four ten with a four eighty nine on base percentage with an eight twenty one slugging. He has four homers, Ooh. eleven RBIs in that span. Um on the season, Chaz McCormick has an 886 OPS. Chaz McCormick has the second best OPS on the Houston Astros behind only Jordan Alvarez. Chaz McCormick is one of your best offensive players. Chaz McCormick has earned the right to be an everyday starter. Doesn't even have to be in center field every day. But Chaz McCormick, every single day, should be in Dusty Baker's lineup. Uh, we, you've said it previously. I said it about a week or two ago, again on Twitter. Just, you know, emphasizing again, you cannot not have this guy in your lineup, especially when you're waiting on Altuve and Jordan. And the fact is, is that he keeps getting better for you. 
there's no reason not to have him every single opportunity you can because he's doing everything that's asked of him, defensively, offensively, left field, center field. It doesn't matter. Chaz has to be in the lineup. He is one of the reasons why you are saving your season and you've saved your season to this point with all the injuries you've endured. Yeah, he's um he's been incredible. Like and we I think a lot of us have never really viewed Chaz McCormick as like the long-term answer in center field, the center fielder of the future. I think a lot of people want Chaz to be like the center fielder of right now, but have been hesitant to call him the center fielder of the future probably cuz of his age. Like it took him a while to debut. Um he's 28 years old right now. Like he's not somebody who's like a spring chicken. He's not young. He's 28 years old. But Chaz McCormick, the way he's swinging the bat, the way that he's produced this year, like he's your center fielder. Like, I mean, he he might play in left field it whenever you need Jake Myers to get a start. But Chaz McCormick should be one of the primary outfielders on this team. Any notion that you're trading Chaz McCormick or that he's being mentioned in, in trade rumors and in trade talks is outrageous. This is, is one of your best offensive players. You have to protect Chaz McCormick. And not only do you have to protect him, you need him in the lineup almost every single day. He's yep. been unbelievable. Like he's it, two, uh, two homers yesterday, the double dong. Like, he shouldn't be he shouldn't be riding the pine when Jake Myers and Corey Jolks are both getting starts. And I think both of those guys have roles in Major League Baseball. I think Jake Myers should be a late-inning defensive substitute in center field. Maybe he starts whenever you have a fly ball pitcher on the mound like Christian Javier. Corey Jolks, I think, has been you know one of the biggest surprises for the Houston Astros. His bat plays. His speed plays. I love Corey Jolks. Go Cougs. But Chaz McCormick should never be on the bench in a lineup that has Jake Myers and Corey Jolks in it. There's no question about it. And, and, and when you look at the, the big picture scenario, the fact that you're getting all these different contributions from all these guys that, in the case of a Dubon, you never have seen before, so there was no reason to expect it, to a guy that you know you, you didn't even think was going to make your roster in Jolks, that's now a guy that you can't not look at as an option to play on a frequent basis to the fact that, you know, Jake has stepped up his game a little, you know, and kind of gotten back to the old Jake before the injuries and the the running into the walls and everything. But overall, every number that has been called this year with every guy that has been kind of a Cinderella story to make the roster or just, you know, be called on for spot duty is earning head and shoulders way more and the return on the investment is way more than anything they put into them. It's been the reason why in in a... microcosm why this team's been able to stay afloat as long as it has any more goods before we uh we move along 713-780-3776 any more goods that we might have overlooked um i think we covered it i think we got most of it. i think we got most of it all right let's get let's have the other side of the conversation the bad the ugly most of this comes from saturday 713-780-ESPN we're not gonna ignore in victory what we wouldn't in defeat it's the killer bees on espn 97.5 and espn 92.5 Welcome back to the Killer Bees Nuts, live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. Here's Joel Blank and that Jeremy Branham guy. 5798 from but with 13 Ks in six innings, not good for y'all. Fair point, fair point. Well, now, rolling. fair point. I don't necessarily, I don't want Frombert to have 13 strikeouts in a game. Why? I think he's better when he's pitching to early soft contact. I think he got jobbed by some calls. It's fair. And those calls led to runs. And, and you know, watching the game again with Lisa and I was explaining, she's like, why does that bother you so much? I go, because in most cases, those come back to bite you, and it's not something he did wrong. Mm-hmm. He put the baseball exactly where it was supposed to be, and the umpire was squeezing him on a couple of calls. And those calls, 
flat out helped bite him in the ass. Second inning, right? Three-run yeah. second inning. That, yeah. That's a prime example. Like yep. There were some calls in that inning that went against him that maybe it doesn't lead to a three-run inning in that second inning. Um, the problem with Fromber's outing is that it was overshadowed by a very questionable, a very divisive de- decision by Dusty Baker that we will get to later. Um, but yeah, I mean, Fromber pitched well. Fromber was pitched well. He got jobbed in the second inning and got roughed up in that final inning. Yep. Blah, 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 blah. We'll get to that, I promise you, in a little bit. 60-30, I'm not a Chaz fan. He's fluky. I was a Jake fan, but after watching him make a lazy play yesterday and cost us the lead at the time, I'm done. Trade Jake. Jake's on one of my bads, but I want to address this fluky thing for Chaz McCormick. Maybe his 886 OPS is, is fluky. Maybe that's better than what Chaz McCormick is. So let's take his career numbers, his, 800, his 829 at-bats. Chaz McCormick in 829 at-bats is a 781 OPS. He, really? He, yeah. He plays a, that surprises me. He plays a good defensive center field. People mm-hmm. would say that Jake plays a better center field than Chaz. I would mostly agree, although there's some flaws in Jake's game as well. I would say that Chaz plays a good defensive center field relative to Major League Baseball. A good defensive center fielder with a 781 OPS, career OPS, 886 OPS this year. If Chaz McCormick was a free agent at the end of the season, he's probably getting $20, $25 million just, dollars a year. I was just going to I was gonna mention that because I was having a conversation with a buddy of mine in the gym this morning, and I said, here's the thing where if you're lucky you have Dana Brown. He's like, what do you mean? You haven't seen him do anything at the trade deadline yet. I said, it doesn't matter. If you don't have Dana Brown and you have Jim Crane and or Jeff Bagwell, Chaz McCormick is going to get locked up on a ma- massive deal. Dubon's going to get locked up on a massive deal. And and that surprises me because of the fact that, at least in the case of Chaz, it looks like over the course of his whole career, yep. the numbers trend more towards he's going to give you at least a chance to earn your money back. What's interesting – my bad, go ahead. No, but I was going to say, like a Dubon, just be careful now because he's having this one good year. If you look at all of his numbers and what he's done to his whole career, Dubon's not a guy that's a three, close to 300 hitter. Dubon, this is the first time we've ever seen all of this. And this was the massive misstep that started all the missteps this offseason before Dana Brown because you saw a career year, the only time in his career he's done anything close to it in Montero, and you went nuts. And that's why you have to be thankful you have Dana Brown. Yeah, those guys were prisoner in the moment this offseason. No question. And I, I think they were also a prisoner of the nostalgia, like Michael Brantley, like Jose Abreu. Like not only prisoner <laughs> of the moment with Montero, but prisoner of the back of the baseball card with the guy who's coming off a labrum surgery and, and and Jose Saturday Abreu. night, Lisa and I were watching the game, and I said, "Hey, babe, you really want Taylor? You don't." She wasn't a big fan of Taylor being a cheerleader, and I go, "You don't understand. Taylor can make some big dollars in cheerleading." She goes, "What are you talking about?" I said, "There's a guy in the dugout right there that's a cheerleader, and he's making twelve million dollars a year for giving out high fives. You can make a lot of money as a cheerleader." She says, "I go, Michael Brantley's getting twelve million dollars a year to give out high fives because he hasn't played all season." Yeah, the good news on Chaz and Dubon is they're under club control for a long time. Like that McCormick, is great news. McCormick signed through 2026. That's fantastic. Like, not going anywhere. Dubon is through 2026 too. So like you have two players like those aren't stars. Like Dubon, I think Dubon is best steadies. suited being a utility. Yeah, I wouldn't call Dubon an everyday starter. I think he's I think he's the well, perfect utility guy off the bench. He's a Ledmus Diaz, Marwin yes. Gonzalez. He's going to start 110 games, but he's not an everyday starter unless. And on this team, it's different because you have so much talent where he can normally play. But unless he proves this isn't a fluky one-year situation, yeah, do it more than if a he year. Can conti- yeah, exactly. If he can continuously, uh, you know, pick, piggyback on what he did this year and start doing it again next year, now you got a guy where again people are going to be clamoring. You got to play him every day. Well, there's good reason to. Not just because he's Justin Verlander's personal center fielder or he's versatile, but he can't hit the ball. Mm-hmm. 
if he proves while you have him under team control to be a consistent, this is where he's going to be going forward, now it may be a different story. What's kind of cool about McCormick, like you could pencil, it just goes back to what we were just saying, McCormick as like the center fielder of the future. If you have a dude that's flirting with an 800 OPS every single year, he's playing a good defensive outfield, that's your center fielder for the next four years. Like I think that the Astros could pencil in, or permanent ink, Chaz McCormick is your center fielder through the year 2026. Like he should, He's an everyday guy. We just made, you know, we had a huge conversation. Everybody's telling you, Chaz McCormick's an everyday center fielder. Well, he's locked up through 26. Can we stop trying to upgrade in center field? Can we just announce Chaz McCormick is the center fielder through 2026? I think we can all agree to that. He's playing really well. He's been a good hitter his entire career, and he's turned into an above average and maybe good defensive center fielder, which was a question whenever he first came up. I think it's also one underrated thing because like Fromber Valdez still has years of club control was a guy that got here late uh Jose Arquiti was a guy who like got here I'm talking age-wise Chaz McCormick made his debut at the age of 25 JP France made his debut this year at the age of 28 what's kind of an underrated thing about that like waiting for these players to to you know make their major league debut starting the clock signing some of these international free agents older than what most people usually do like Fromber was an older guy or Keeney was an over, older guy wasn't Javier an older guy yeah. i think Luis yep. Garcia was Garcia. an older guy as well one of the hidden values of that and then them being called up when they're 25 26 27 28 years old is that they're under club control from that range until about the age 31 to 34 range. Like, this is the perfect time to, yeah. pay, to pay a player for the six years of club control is that window. You get them it's in one the of prime, the underrated things of signing of players late. Where normally they're cashing in, and instead you're getting the return on investment because you've got them locked up at a time when they should be at their very best from an age perspective, an yeah. ability perspective. It's, it's a hidden, underrated thing, uh, having like a lot of these players make... Because J.P. France, if we think that J.P. France is the number five starter for the Houston Astros for the duration of club control, you have him signed from the age 28 to 34, and you never pay him big money. You just let him walk when he's 34 years old. Like it's, It wouldn't shock me if it's a trend that starts to happen in baseball. Like These super prospects, obviously, you can't wait on them, but like these fringe prospects that you know are going to be big leaguers, but you can wait two years on, it just it makes sense that you have them at that age as opposed to calling them up early and then having to get rid of them when they're 28 years old. Well, and now with the new rules where if, if a player comes up right away and they win like rookie of the year, you get draft compensation and like the teams get rewarded to never be like the Astros were with George Springer again. Mm-hmm. These guys might come up faster, and as they're coming up faster, it's going to also stop some of the, uh, the those middle guys yep. from reaching right away. It blocks like, a France. It just stops them. It like, blocks a Blanco. Like if Christian Javier, you know, doesn't come up when he does, and Luis Garcia, like maybe JP France, you know, cracks the big leagues maybe a little bit earlier, or they're cracking at the same time. But now that you can bring these guys up and get rewarded for that instead of directly punished as a franchise. It's definitely going to block those guys. The fringe guys are going to. It's going to take isn't a year it, or two longer. But for them isn't to get it up. if you're if you get called up right away and you get rookie of the year? Don't you also? Doesn't it also the player itself get, get money? You get money unless you get out. Of, you get one year less. No, get it's out not. Of the deal it's earlier. not. A, it's not a year less of club control. You go into arbitration earlier. There you go. So you yeah. cash in there earlier, yeah. but yep. it doesn't reduce the amount of club control. Like I think if if you win rookie of the year, I think it actually might be top three. It I think is. Jeremy it's not Pena just might be one in guy there too. I was going to yeah. say there's multiples, and I think that there's escalators in terms of like how much money that player gets. Like if you win rookie of the year, you get a lot of money. If you finish second or third, you have reverse escalators. You get a little bit, but not nearly as much as rookie of the year. But I think it's the top three. 
rookies of the year in the voting. I think that's right. They they still have the total years of club control, but they hit arbitration a year earlier, which means you get to arbitration a year earlier, you're going to get you know a lot more money versus what you're getting on the league minimum. So there are there are uh, rewards for the team because you can get draft picks like Seattle the other day when they had the uh, the rookie draft. They were they had back to back picks. They had back to back picks because they got rewarded for Julio Rodriguez winning the rookie of the year. So I like that the the little rewards that they threw in for the CBA four team and for player. All right, to the Texter's point, I wrote this yesterday when Jake Myers had a terrible at bat. I said I'm done watching Myers hit, and in the very next at bat, he hits an opposite field dong. Oh, but then he goes back to the bad for throwing to second base and not the cutoff man for the go ahead runner to score in the seventh. Bro, his arm. His arm and his IQ. That was a low S2E play. It was a stupid play. I mean, the word that you use there, I'm starting to to formulate in my mind a lot more when I see him do anything on the baseball field. Like, I just just wonder what's not going on in his head and what should be because he just doesn't seem to be very dialed in. And then it's just, let's just talk about the arm alone. Everybody and their mother has the the like neon green go light every time they see him fill the baseball. Yeah. It takes them an hour to load it up and let it go, and it isn't coming in at any velocity at all. It, it's a wet noodle. I, I don't know how the injury screwed him up that much and if there's anything you can do about it, but it's embarrassing. The the measures, uh, the measurables on that, they, they actually say that Jake has a stronger arm than Chaz. Chaz oh. doesn't have a good arm either. But what I hated about that play, because look, Ch- Jake Myers having a bad arm is a sunk cost. We know that about Jake Myers. But if Jake Myers hits Gray Kessinger on that play, there's a oh, play yeah. at the plate. Yes, Why is. in the world is he throwing to second base? Low S two E play by by Jake. By, um, I just blanked on his name. Jake by Myers. Myers. I, for some reason, I was thinking Marisnik. Oh. For Jake Myers, low S two E play, throwing it to second base. You hit the cutoff man. That was that was bad. What it was bad? Just, what if he did it because he knows he can't? Well, no, did the throw to second was longer. Refresh my That's memory, true. guys. Before he got hurt, was his? Was did he have a decent arm? Pretty solid. Was it? I don't remember. I, I don't remember. I, I don't think it was remember. Great. Like I don't. Think... It was like good. Yeah, it was I, fine. I don't think like, it's not because I think, But I think the biggest thing too now is it takes him an hour and a half to get rid of it. Like there's no quick release. That's the there's, windup. Yeah, you're right. There's no you know swift transfer and quick release. It, it's just like this massive like get wind up to get to it, and then it comes out like a, a pus ball. That might be why we think Chaz has a better arm, but Jake measures better is because of the wind up. Maybe yep. Jake's velo is better than Chaz's velo, but Chaz has a quick release, whereas Jake curl hops, winds up, takes forever to. He, he needs to be on a pitch clock. Jake Myers out there in center field. Uh, I honestly, even Jake Myers with the home run, like I'm to the point where if Jake Myers is still on this team post trade deadline, he's a defensive substitute. Agreed. He's a spot starter. He should not be in this three man rotation. Twi- King King on Twitch said. Him for a Stroman straight up. Well, if the Cubs take I mean, that, I'd do that in a heartbeat. I mean, I'd throw that. a double A. I'd throw a couple, a prospect or two in there. You can have Jake, you can have Jake Myers, in, in my opinion. I have no problem to salvage traded. some of your assets in, in the farm system because to me, he has no place on this team as a starter. He's blocked. Chas McCormick yep. has, is, uh, is better than Jake Myers. I think I'd rather see Corey Jolks in left field than Jake Myers in center field as well. So Myers has been jumped by Chaz, which probably already was, maybe not by the Astros, but by fans and us. Now he's been passed by Corey Jolks, which no one saw coming. So now that he's blocked by Chaz, he's been passed by Corey Jolks, Myers needs to either be a defensive replacement or absolutely trade bet ahead of the deadline. Now, I don't think he has tremendous value. Like, he's not going to get you Stroman. You're going to have to throw in prospects, like right. you mentioned. I, I think that he's the guy that Dana Brown keeps referencing in all these interviews about a, a major leaguer for a major leaguer. Yeah. And he solves, I think he solves your bullpen problem that your guys are gassed, that he gets you a uh, maton. Like, he, he is 
a better Milestraw. It'd be great if he was Harrison Bader last year. Now, the Cardinals aren't interested in outfielders because they have a logjam in outfielders, but if you could get the equivalent of yeah. Jordan Montgomery for Jake Myers, that would be a home run. Pardon the pun. No question. That'd be a huge yeah, hit. Yeah, because, I mean, he is expendable. This is like when, this is how you got Dubon. This is when you know that there's such a, a logjam, as you put it, of, of all the players in front of a guy. Like Breggy's best friend from LSU, the catcher. They traded Pip, to the Giants for Pip Dubon. It's Pap. Pepperisky. Yeah, and, and, and it turned out to be a win-win for both for both sides. And that's a, that's a great deal. You're looking at Corey Lee kind of the same way right now because Yiner has jumped Corey Lee. Yeah. Yiner is the catcher now of the future that Corey Lee was supposed to be. So now earlier in the season when the Marlins were saying, hey, we're looking for a catcher of the future, I was like, bing, now Solaire's on the radar because now if you want to give us Solaire for a Corey Lee – now that's that's in a discussion you're willing to have that you wouldn't have been willing to have a year ago when Corey Lee was the heir apparent. Yeah, I think I would be shopping Corey Lee as well. Now it would be a little bit more difficult for me to trade Corey Lee than Jake Myers. Well, you got Corey Lee. You got to get someone that's under contract and under team control for a while. Yeah, like Corey Lee for a rental, it better be a really, Damn, really good. Yeah, rental. I'm not. See, I'm not. I, I just don't who know if I more, could go for a rental. Who has more trade value? Not around the league, but for you. For you, if you're Dana Brown, you're the Astros. Who who has more trade value for you? Jake Myers, oh, or Corey, Corey Lee is going to get you more. I think. See, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what the value around Major well, League Baseball would be. But for me personally, I'm holding Corey Lee in higher regard than Jake Myers because I don't think Jake Myers is more than a defensive substitute right. and a spot starter. Whereas Corey Lee, yeah, he's blocked with Yiner Diaz, but you also have to play a second catcher quite a bit in Major League Baseball. But also think about this: it, the teams you're trading with, normally it's either a team on the rebuild or a team that's like middle of the road to where a younger player like Corey Lee is very advantageous for them because that's what they're looking for, a team that you can build with. He can he can fit into your rebuild as opposed to, I think, when you're trading a Jake Myers, you're trading him to a team that has a lot of pieces that needs a you know a starting caliber center fielder, much like, as Joe referenced, the Maton trade, where you're looking for a team that is looking for a, a steady, really good defensive center fielder because they got a lot of other pieces. Seven one three seven eight zero ESPN. We'll get to some more of our bads and ugly from the Astro Week, and we got to talk about it. Seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six. What do you have? What do Blankers have? What does Joe have? It's the Killer Bees on ESPN ninety seven five and ESPN ninety two five. ESPN ninety seven five on Twitch. I don't get it. Welcome back, Houston. These guys missed you over the last break. It's the Killer Bees, Joel Blank and Jeremy Branham, live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. All right, what what bad and uglies do you have? We're going to save the Fromber-Dusty conversation for a little bit because that deserves an entire segment to its own. But what bad and ugly do you have? Well, I mean, the first bad is just Kessinger Saturday night. Uh, I mean, to me, it was a, it was a tough situation to be in. But with everything that could possibly go wrong for you, you felt like you were out of the inning and you lived to see another inning at least. And to have him come into the ball game and then look like a pretty routine double play. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, to be able to, to throw the ball that badly and have a game end that way because of it was just bad. It was, it was just no other way to describe it. Yeah. You don't know how the rest of the game was going to go. So right. it's like, did it cost you a win? 50-50 shot at a win, maybe? Uh, I think yeah, it's fair I'll to say. That. 50-50 shot at a win. How much... Not a good play. Kessinger made a bad throw. It was Greg Kessinger's era. Believe all of that. How much blame do you put on Abreu? Because I thought live, I was like, man, Abreu didn't make a great effort at that. Uh, he was a little flat-footed running to the base. It, even if he comes out the bag, if he catches it. The runner think, doesn't score. I was going to say, do you think the runner doesn't score? No chance, right? He was at second. 
I, I think if they're thinking they're going for the double play, I, I was run, I was wondering if he got a stop sign because I thought he was just going all the way through. There would have been a play minimum. Yeah. There would have been a play minimum. I wouldn't be surprised if he wasn't rounding. Usually, you don't see I that a whole he, lot. I think bigs. he was going, and I don't know if him catching the ball might have had him hit the brakes. Did you notice that though? Like how flat-footed Abreu was look- running to first, and then there was no stretch at all. I think a good defensive first baseman might stretch and catch that, but at minimum comes off the bag to keep that from getting make sure, by. Yeah, you make sure you know it's not the game ender. At least there's another play that could possibly be made. Yeah, look, I, unfortunately, because you got so spoiled with such a great defensive first baseman like Yuli, all year I've kind of just gotten used to the fact that you're just not going to get the above-average play out of Abreu at first base defensively. And, and I think, like you, the, when I saw it, my first inclination was, well, did he? Did he? Could he have gotten to it? Did he try? Because I thought he was so adamant about trying to keep his foot on the base too that you know most first basemen. The first thing you're taught is if it looks like it's going to be yeah. way off the base, get off the base and make sure you catch the baseball. But all his momentum was moving to first, like it was all moving towards the plate, and then the throw was moving towards the right field pole. So you had like a massive object moving one direction, and then an errant throw moving the other direction, and it was just you were never going to get to it. I. It was Kessinger's mistake. Yes. I'm not saying no that this is on Abreu. It was Kessinger's mistake, but Abreu did nothing to help him. Nothing at all to help him. I, I didn't think it was a great play by Abreu. Um, obviously, the error is Kessinger. And somebody somebody actually bashing Abreu here on the text line for their bad, 6941. Uh, bad and ugly wrapped into one is Abreu coming off the break against a sub-500 team going 3 for f- 15 and 0 for 6, batting 4th or 5th. I guess. I don't know. He had three hits in the first game, didn't yeah. he? He had three hits in the first game. He had a ball that almost got out in... He also hit a home run he hit a home run and then he also had like i said he just missed another one where uh oh 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 uh hunter renfro in right field caught the ball uh, right over the wall did you think that would have been a homer i thought it was getting out when he he left his bat it kind of to me it felt like it was getting out yeah that's bad math by the texture he was five for 15 that's in the series not too bad and hit a home had a dong and then he also almost had another one got robbed of I thought at first he robbed the homer. Watching the side replay, I thought it would have hit the top of the wall. But it was very, very close. I mean, we're talking about a guy who's hitting the ball. I think there was two on. That's right. I think that So there at was. least you would have gotten some RBIs and, and, a, and a couple run, you know, runs for the Astros. Now, his three-hit game Friday, the, the baseball did have some eyes on it. He was getting some seeing-eye singles. So, be also so he's 5 for 9 in the first two games? Yeah, 0 for 6 yesterday. Yeah. So that's still pretty good. That's pretty like, good. I mean, I'll it's, take, not, it's not perfect. But I'll what, take five for 15 with, for Jose Abreu. Ask, I think who wouldn't? The bullpen, just the pitching. Oh, man. I guess it's bad, ugly, all of the above. The pitching? It's just, it's hard to even, besides Fromber and even him getting like a little hurt, mm-hmm. just everything within that, you know, the game is just was brutal. I mean. A lot of runs. A lot, a lot of runs. A lot this of weekend. runs. I think the other bad thing is, even though it seems like two of the four are okay, there's definitely a clear point where Jose Abreu's limping. Is he, he left home. is he is he limping or is he pimping? This one looked like limping, not pimping. I don't think it affects uh, him though. <laughs> Kyle Tucker's elbow seems okay, mm-hmm. but it definitely was bothering him. Mm-hmm. And then you have Pena and Fromber, and it's like that's not how you want to start the second half of the season. Yeah. Is with a three game series in which two guys have to leave the game, and two guys at some point look like they're in at least a decent amount of pain. Dusty said cramping probably on Pena. Pena said that he'd be good to play yesterday, but Dusty day off today. Wants to give him two days, which is fine. And then Fromber was like kind of cutting up in the dugout. I'm, I'm hoping that it was a cramp for yeah. him, but yeah, certainly don't like to see that. Need it's some a scare. bananas and mustard. What did you think about uh, Dusty letting Pena bat after he cramped up? I wouldn't. Runner at third with one out. Shocked. Uh, I, I wasn't a big fan. 
I could not believe it. Yeah. I could not. And Dusty, we trusty. I would have pinch hit there. And I know you have nothing on the bench, and Dusty doesn't like what he has on the bench, because I think in that moment you're probably going Kessinger in that spot. I, I, but Kessinger, at least what he showed yesterday, yeah. was the guy that could put bat to baseball and maybe at least get you a fly ball. If, if the games were flipped, this is going to sound crazy, but if the games were flipped, if Sunday's game was Saturday and Saturday's game was Sunday, and Kessinger had like a decent offensive performance, I think he would have been more likely to pinch right. hit Kessinger I think that sounds for like paying it. in that spot. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't want an injured guy in that spot. Like especially a guy who strikes out a lot. Like, yeah, and you've got to be like you got to be laser focused right now because you 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 only have one out, so you you have to be focused on getting that run in, making contact at the very worst, get yourself a fly ball in the middle of the outfield that gets you where you need to be. And if a guy is nursing, especially a lower leg injury, a guy's not going to be all that dialed in. He's going to be fighting the feeling and the pain. Is it going to pop? And yeah, I, I wasn't a big fan. Nine seven eight zero bad. The pin is overworked and it shows ugly Fromber and Pena injuries kind of address that. I, Do you have I, anything? I can have another bad there. The other bad to me was as much as they were all trying to fluff Javier because his fastball was a little faster. He just still isn't even close to the old Javier with his, his secondary pitches. He's just not the same guy. And instead of being a reliable guy that you can count on. He, he worries me more and more every time he takes the mound because even in the first inning, he's lucky he got out of it in unscathed. He was, he was I mean, Shohei hit two absolute bombs yeah. that were foul. And it just, to me, I have a lot of concerns about where he's going to be the rest of the year. I thought he was actually encouraging uh, what, what I saw for Christian Javier. Uh, anywhere near his best? No. But if we're comparing his start over the weekend versus, let's say, the his last, two last three before mm-hmm. the break... I see. Remember, I actually saw some encouraging things in the Ranger start, where I thought he looked closer to the old Christian Javier in the Ranger start than he did in the previous two. I thought yesterday he looked better in the start against the Angels, or two days ago in the start against the. I guess it was yesterday uh, in the start against the Angels than he did the Rangers. In fact, like his line score isn't awful yesterday. Three runs, five innings, gave up four hits and struck out seven. The strikeouts are encouraging to me. His location, top of the zone, was a little bit better, and he was getting some weak pop ups. It looked a little bit close. Closer to the old Javier, I was encouraged. Is it anywhere near his peak? No. His his fastball was better, and it was faster, and it was it was rise. It looked like it gave the appearance of it was rising in, like you said, to the top of the zone. Mm-hmm. The off speed pitches were not what I, I command liked. was not good no, either. Not where he was putting them. And the other thing, Jeremy, and we've been saying this a lot. We've been saying this over the last couple of months, actually. And again, it it, it reared its head this weekend. O two pitches should not be hittable. They should not be hittable, and if they are hittable, they should be like some egregious way of putting bat on baseball where it's a weak fly or a ground ball. They should not be barreled up and, and there to, to hurt you. And I think in a lot of cases, even he gets caught in the moment of an 0-2 thinking he can dominate, yep. and then he gets beat. I don't like 0-2 waste pitches. I think they're pointless. They have to be, they have to look, they have to be around the zone to where they mm-hmm. you know, are enticing to a hitter mm-hmm. still. But there's an art form to that if you have control that he used to have. It needs to be. They need to be competitive. I don't like them in the zone. Uh, quite Agreed. honestly, uh, I'd rather be nibbling there or trying to set up your one-two pitch. I there's nothing actually. It's a pet peeve of mine. Non-competitive O-two pitches where you just waste one five feet oh, off right. the outside corner drive me nuts. But I agree with your point exactly. O-two pitches should not be hittable pitches. You want them top of the zone, a little bit out or of the 58 zone. Fifty-eight feet and it comes in looking like it's a strike and it drops yeah. down before it gets close. Yeah. Now Javier doesn't really have like a changeup. No. But like, how about how about a slider in the dirt? Like, get a swing and a miss, and if he even if he spits on it, that slider in the dirt sets up the fastball at his letters. 
slashers. He's kind of got that sweeping slider, too, where by the time it gets across the plate, it's outside the zone, but it comes in looking like it could be a barreling fastball, mm-hmm. and it gets a lot of chases. It's just you can't have 0-2 pitches high in the zone sitting there where a guy can barrel it up. Yep. No, his slider command, I thought, was poor, yep. to be quite honest with you. Uh, but I, w- I felt encouraged. Like It looks like he's trending in the right way. I hope way. you're right and I'm wrong. I still think he has a long way to go. But I, I've been, I was encouraged with the Rangers start slightly. And then yesterday was much, much better than the Rangers start in the previous two. Not a good start by Javier, but perhaps an encouraging start. We'll see. 713-780-ESPN, the HRMP listener line, 713-780-3776. Let's get to the divisive decision from Dusty Baker over the weekend that has split the Astro fan base in half. How should he have used Fromber Valdez with a six-run lead in 89 pitches? 713-780-3776. Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. ESPN 97.5. You've chosen wisely. I have chosen to test this station's destructive power on your home planet of Alderaan. 